0: And he's a registered Republican, and he wasn't trying to make a political
1: film, but he did. It's almost, in a weird way, it's almost like a reverse hangover.
0: <laughs> it's got to be like Freudian or, yeah. you know, pre-Freudian. It's a haunted house movie in space.
1: Welcome back. We're at our home away from home in Columbus, Ohio, the Gateway Film Center for our monthly Fright Club Live. And it's going to be a fun one. Uh, She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com. Welcome to Fright Club Live. We are talking about sci-fi. We are talking about horror. We are talking about the best of both worlds.
0: That's right. That is the plan. And
1: we're going to watch a real fun one tonight that... I don't think many people have seen, and it's going to be great because I think they're going to like it a lot.
0: I do too, and I think it's a really super fun movie to watch with a bunch of other people. Yeah, um, as so things I'm get, nutty, forward
1: to it, and things definitely do get nutty. But we got, we got, well, we got some exciting news to actually we to talk do. about, especially considering I'm so that we're so proud
0: of us for not saying anything before now. I
1: know. <laughs> we were just talking to Nathan here in the crowd. He said, "You guys kept this under wraps." We did. So we might as well just spill it if you haven't heard it on the interwebs or uh, following us on social, uh, here at the Gateway Film Center, they have announced the Horror 101 program. And Woo-hoo! I'll tell you what, if you're a horror fan, and if I know you are because you're here, you are going <laughs> to love this. It follows up their Cult 101 they did last year. Right, which, which was, was, was awesome. A was so huge, cool. huge hit. So now they've polled a lot of people, including the two of us. Well, including the one of us. No, you and, voted. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. I got a half voted. But uh, there's a great, great <laughs> list of horror movies that are going to start rolling out. And uh, we are very thrilled to be the co host for the opening night, which is going to be actually, it's going to be on Valentine's Day. Yeah, which it's the is the night
0: after the next Fright Club. The,
1: right. So we'll be here like two nights in a row, which is, you know, the usual I was say, for us. But what? the opening of <laughs> Horror 101 is going to be Candyman, <laughs> which is a great one to start off with. And I mean, it's, you know, it's a love story. It from is. A different point of view. It I is, I guess. A love the story. love of bees. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a fantastic program. By all means, uh, we've got a link on our uh, website and our Facebook page about the entire lineup. It's going to be so great. I mean, this is already such a great horror community here at the Gateway, and this is only going to solidify it. So it's Horror one one. It's going to be fantastic. Hopefully you can make it out for as many as you can. And there's going to be some cross things. Pollination. Yes, cross pollination. Well, we're pol- going to be here a lot pollination anyway. Pollination so so with Fright Club. Gonna, so.
0: And we're going to lobby to introduce a couple. So they're right. showing my all-time favorite movie, so, so, are showing right. my second all-time favorite movie, *The Texas Chainsaw Massacre*. So, I'm gonna really, I'm just gonna introduce them whether they want me to or not.
1: You <laughs> can't get rid of her. But uh, yeah, look it up. We Who's hope to that see that lady you. again. Get it's her gonna sit be, down. A, it's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome horror 101. So, also, uh, what else we want to say? We want to say, well, thanks to, well, we've been getting some nice love on uh, some of the social medias. We got to say thank you to a couple of people. Matthew Bush, who is uh, so supportive of this film series and this film series all over Columbus. Yeah, he really is. A,
0: he's just he's just a huge just supporter, really, yeah. of of Columbus and film, and and he's awesome. So yep. check and him also, out. If you uh, on, terrified typist. We're hoping on, he came. If he didn't come, is well, terrified then, typist here. No tonight. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, maybe he'll come in late. But yeah, uh, he's joined the Fright Clubbers here on uh, on Twitter at Fright Club Pod. So uh, thanks for his support as well. Okay, so we're talking about sci fi horror, meeting of the minds. We are. What are the rules? Anything besides they have to be a little bit of both?
0: Yeah, that's really all. They have to be a little bit of both, and uh, and you know, you, there are, there are like several different camps, right? You got your sort of alien invasion camp and uh, your mad scientist camp. Sometimes those kind of fall in together. So I, what I really was looking for were films that, so like Frankenstein, for example. Obviously, it's your top sort of mad scientist movie, but it's really you bring cadavers back to life. There's there's sci-fi there, but it's mainly it's gothic horror. You know what I mean? So, so when I was going sort of the, uh, the mad scientist route, I was really looking for something that was more of a traditional sci-fi storyline that was handled in a, in a horror kind of a vein. So, okay. Because there are st- millions and millions and millions of choices for this. Yeah. So I was trying to narrow it down in some way. So I really was looking for something that was at least equal parts, if not even maybe more sci-fi than
1: horror. And by the way, this is where we would say that if we were still doing the theme songs, (laughs) tonight's would probably be, what, from Rocky Horror, science fiction, double feature? I would think so, That would be a good one? Yeah. Okay, so just hum that. You never go wrong then. Hum that to yourselves. (laughs) That would be tonight's theme song because we don't want the lawyers coming down on us at all. All right, so we've got five to talk about, uh, one to just talk a little bit about because we're going to show it tonight, and we never want to spoil anything. And by the way, we've seen a few new faces here tonight, which is awesome. If anybody doesn't have a Fright Club button and would like one, come down after the movie and we'll give you one. We've That's got a right. few left. I'd uh, love for you have one of those. All right, so we'll start off at number five, going back a ways. This is from 1956. A small-town doctor learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien duplicates invasion of the body snatchers
0: listen to me please listen if you don't if you won't if you fail to understand then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you
1: they come from another world spawned in the light years of space unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen I love that we start with this because it really sets up a theme through much of this countdown. We've got either remakes or movies that were remade. Yep. And this is, of course, uh, was, has been remade, but uh, this is the classic version of the story, I think. And it's really effective, especially in that watching that trailer again. Great black and white with the light and the shadow, you know, and makes everything so ominous. Uh, and it's, it's a great story.
0: It was a close call because the 1978 remake is awesome and in a, in a lot of ways scarier. Uh, And then in 98, The Faculty is basically a remake of this as well. And it's a full-blown horror film and a ton of fun. So they're all worth checking out. I went with the original primarily because it is so original. It was such a unique concept at the time. And one of the things that I think is a great thing about sci-fi, especially sort of the paranoid sci-fi, is how differently you can read them. You know, like this was read as sort of, you know, pro-McCarthyism and anti-McCarthyism. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, and it's funny because Don Siegel's a director who, who went on to do a lot of stuff with John Wayne and with Clint Eastwood, and he's a registered Republican, and he wasn't trying to make a political film, but he did yeah. because you almost can't help it. And it's a, so, the same thing happens, I think, with zombie films is that it's so easy to read them, to read conspiracy and metaphor into a zombie film. And this film seems so right with, metaphor. But one of the things I think, there are two things I think really work for it. It was a very unique and interesting way to do the alien invasion because of the sort of pods. And and uh, so it wasn't monsters that show up. It was this more insidious thing. And then something that, that even when I was little and would watch it and then would went on to terrify me when the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies come out, is that the only way to fight them is to not go to sleep. There's nothing I would rather have to not do than not go to sleep. I love sleeping so very much. <laughs> she does. Now, you know, I would go without <laughs> food for days if it would keep these things from turning me into a plant person. But sleeping, I don't know. I would not last that long. It would be a short movie. It, it would be a short you movie.
1: But uh, one of the thing I think it's interesting to note about this version is how much it was changed from its original well before they did test screenings because right. originally there was a lot of humor in it and the the test screenings didn't get it they were laughing at the wrong places and the producers were just s- scared of that worried about that because it was supposed to be a scary movie right. and that they wanted they wanted all the humor struck from it, which ended up happening and then they also insisted on the optimistic ending at the end the director right. Don Siegel wanted the ending that was picked up by the uh, the, the remake yes. in the 70s, which I think is more effective. I do, too. If you ask me. I do, but, too. But uh, they they insisted on the optimistic ending of the original. But still, this one is a <laughs> great molding. Donald S- S- Sutherland. Yeah. <laughs> that iconic version of Donald Sutherland is and yeah, his perm. <laughs> but uh, this is a great, great molding uh, of, uh, of sci-fi and horror. From 1956, number five on our list, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Moving up to number four, another one. This was not the original, but this is a remake of a classic from 1986. A brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man-fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes way wrong. The fly. There is a limit, even to the imagination.
0: Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong.
1: Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? Oh no, a fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Uh,
0: I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Help me. Please.
1: Help me. This is David Cronenberg's remake, one of our favorite directors, and as he will do, he really amped up. The body horror, the grisly nature of this story from the original.
0: Yeah, the original, the Vincent Price version, um, is sweet and fun and creepy and sad and a perfectly solid sci-fi film. But, but yeah, David Cronenberg went nuts with it in the best way. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, he was bound to be on here. He is, his horror, especially his early, was is all very mad scientist-y. Um, and this is, I think, the the most of a crossover into sci-fi. Oh, it's yeah. definitely a horror film. Yeah, oh, sure. But, yeah. it's, it, but it's, and that's thing is it, it was definitely his most mainstream film to date when he made it. And I think also his most sympathetic. Uh, I don't think that, that most of his films, you know, there's not a huge character arc in a lot of David Cronenberg movies, and I don't think that you're, the audience is really asked to, to empathize that much. But in this case, uh, the Goldblum character... And eventually, Brundlefly. I mean, he's so Seth Brundle is so, especially for like a big nerd, so sympathetic, which is interesting uh, in in a Cronenberg film. And toward the end, even though he's clearly the villain and he's lost his mind and he's he's you know looking to kill and reform this whole family and one big giant slothy monster, you just feel so awful for him.
1: Well, that's interesting. You mentioned that about keeping. Brundle Fly uh, sympathetic because one of the scenes that was cut was when Seth put into the, the uh, pod a cat and one of the baboons, and then apparently the, the thing that came enough? out of it, oh. he, uh, Brundle ends up beating him to death, and, and the, for the producers and test audiences thought that that was, by the, then you weren't sympathetic to him anymore. Once he had done that, right. you've kind of lost your audience and lost your sympathetic nature of the character. So you can understand why they cut that, right. uh, keeping that 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 character sympathetic. But it's yeah, it's a great uh, way to make the sci-fi portion of the story so so horrific because it is. I remember seeing it in the theater the first time, and when he, you know disintegrates and pieces of him start falling off and he looks himself in the mirror and then she hugs him i think the whole audience at the time you know they recoiled (laughs) you know audibly when uh, she hugged him like that because it's very very creepy uh, and yet keeps the sci-fi sci-fi nature but really makes it more so much more horrific
0: do you know what i think i have a weird theory i've not shared this we've talked about this movie many times and i've talked before about how much the two of them look alike but i think I think that that was done intentionally. So, the more that Goldblum's character disintegrates, when she's there, you are subconsciously reminded of what he was like when he was healthy, and it makes you sadder (laughs) for him. I think, because they look alike. They really look weirdly alike, those two. This
1: really probably launched the legend of Goldblum, right? Because before he got this role, he was just kind of a bit player.
0: Yeah. Right? And I I
1: don't think the producers wanted him for the role because he wasn't a quote unquote star at the time. Uh, And then once he got it, he lobbied for Gina Davis because they were dating. Uh, and they looked exactly alike. They did. <laughs> That's a theory. We'll have to run that by Cronenberg next time we're chatting uh, on the lanai. But uh that is number number 4. It's a, yeah, still definitely one of my favorites from 1986, the uh David Cronenberg version of The Fly. Moving it up to number 3 and it's the one we're going to see tonight, so we won't talk much about it. It's from 2007. A man accidentally gets into a time machine, travels back in time nearly an hour, finding himself will be the first of a series of disasters of unforeseeable consequences, time crimes. Okay, we're off in an empty theater, as we like to do, to talk about the movie that we're going to see tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to the reaction for Time Crimes, because we've seen it a couple of times mm-hmm. and I remember my reaction the first time. Right, right, like, right. This is just nuts. <laughs> uh, and you it's one of those where you just go around in your head and I guess, I don't know if, you, if you're trying to find a way where they made a mistake in the logic and then I don't know about you, but my head just starts hurting. But I, I, I don't <laughs> think they did. I think in the integrity of, of the uh, device holds up.
0: I think so too. Uh, uh, and I also think it's one of those movies where it, you know, you just have to sort of let go and follow along with the first time you watch it, and that's what I. And then immediately think, I have to watch this again. <laughs> like once you know the whole story, then you're like, okay, I got to watch it again and see what happens. Um, I, and I think that it's just ingenious the way that the story unfolds. Is it, it really is uh, so well crafted, so
1: slyly crafted? Yeah, because the first time through, you start seeing these weird things happening, and then it goes back and picks them up. Oh, that's why that happened, because we're going back in time again. It's almost, in a weird way, it's almost like a reverse hangover. (laughs) They're trying to piece together, you know. But in this one, Hector, he just has to keep piecing it together, and then it just gets more complicated, Mm -hmm. you know, as it would even even though he only went back in time about, what, an An hour hour or so. You know, it's got some dark humor in spots, but I think it is. It's a a bittersweet take on how we sabotage ourselves yeah, and then how we sometimes look for people to pay for our, our mistakes. Right. Yeah. Um, there,
0: I mean, it does have a, there are some sad, there's one particularly just very sad moment that you're like, yeah. Did that have to happen? Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that's, yeah, because that's too bad.
1: Yeah. His looking for a way out of a predicament. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is so, is so much of it is self inflicted, but also, I love. There is a couple little wink, wink, nudge, nudges in this movie, and the first one is uh, the girl on the bicycles T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's a, of Schrodinger's cat, which, if you are familiar with that, it's a it's a very famous thought problem. Yeah, that it basically comes down to: can this cat be simultaneously alive and dead? Right, uh, and it's one of those that you know, if you are not into theoretical philosophy, will literally make your head hurt the more you read about yeah. the problem and this one kind of falls in yeah, that yeah, line yeah. plus also there's a, there's a, a sign the first time you go through the I guess laboratory uh, of the scientist played by Nacho by the yeah. way, the, the filmmaker, which is great. Uh, there's a little sign on there that says where it says TI- time machine configuration. There's a little note that says, please pay for your software, which <laughs> makes you think this guy is running this entire thing off unlicensed software, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so there's little bits of little dark humor and, and the wink winks. But but there is, like we were saying, with, with what happens, the sad part that happens, there's some bittersweet a uh, take on regret and things yeah. like that if you yeah. really want to dive into it. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with you. But one, there are two things about this that I think you can see again and again in sort of a nightmarish way. And, and so one is this concept of a doppelganger, right? Where yeah. like in sort of a comedy or something, you're just like, I wish I could clone myself. But man, horror movies or, or movies that are, it, for some reason, and it makes me think of the movie Enemy, which was <laughs> great, right? Uh, well, if-
1: if if you think this is hard to follow, <laughs> enemy will really make your ears bleed. I mean, my lord! With but this, but yeah. this
0: just terror of the doppelganger. This like this terror yeah. of losing your identity and losing who you are and lo- watching somebody else live your life and then the yeah. violence that that could co- bring bring you to. I I love the way that plays out in this movie. And then the other is this idea of a time loop, which uh, which you see in a bunch of different spots in the endless.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and even the one that came before The Endless. Right, um,
0: Resolution.
1: In fact, there's a line in this movie about keeping someone in chains, mm-hmm. and that made me think of Resolution. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you're right. Um, the Endless is maybe speaks to it a little bit more clearly. Yeah. This time loop thing yes. going on. Yes, yes. And by the way, if you haven't seen either of those movies, Do it. See them. Yeah. They're tied together in their own uh, universe, which in a very, very uh, intelligent way, which is very cool. But uh, yeah, back to this. The time loop. The doppelganger is interesting to uh, to consider because you're right, in, in movies like this, non-comedies, sure. non-duplicity. What was yeah. that with Michael Keaton? Uh, the one where there's a bunch of him? Anyway.
0: I don't think I want to know. <laughs> there was one. Remember yeah, there was one no, with Michael yeah, Keaton yeah, where I he there's like a yeah. hundred of him running Multiplicity. around? Multiplicity.
1: Multiplicity, thank yeah. you. Um, when it's these serious borderline horror movies, they immediately, the, the doppelganger must be killed. Right. It must be hunted down, yeah. And, and that's a, a really possibly philosophical theme to dive into.
0: Oh, that's got to be. Yeah. That's got to be like, yeah, uh, you know, Freudian or, yeah. you know, pre-Freudian. That's got to be just <laughs> some sort of a primal. deep primal yeah. fear uh, that that I think that this movie touches on, not in the way that Enemy does. Enemy just dives in. Oh, my And Lord. then there's the spiders. Yeah. What? Yeah. But, yeah, this uh, I love the way this movie treats it. And at the same time toes that sort of, but if you ever come face to face with, you know, which is you're like, well, how do they know that the world would end? Your world would end. What well, you know, why can't you just, hey, it's me. I don't know. And I don't there's, know why and you And
1: there's can't. a little bit of that. Of
0: course, I'm a twin, so I'm very much about whatever, <laughs> doppelgangers.
1: And there's a little bit of that, you know, what would you say to your younger self you know, knowing what I do now, oh, yeah. I would tell my younger self, well, it's an only an hour younger self. But even so, yeah. you're kind of on that plane, <laughs> the advice to have a better life and all that. Well, so, it's funny
0: because in movies like this, it's the opposite. I'm not going to give my younger self advice. <laughs> I'm going to come at him with some scissors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But no, where they're going back and they and they say, no, look, yeah, whatever yeah. I say, right. you know, do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it also deals with all this stuff it moves at a pretty good clip it really does you know yes yeah uh, it doesn't drag at all
0: oh no and it's not long it's, no it's, uh, not it's long. under 90 minutes you exactly know? and so. it's just yeah it's just fun
1: it is i think i'm really looking Weird. forward to the reaction i know there's a few people in the crowd tonight that have seen it and like it. well most people they're back, have not yeah. but most people have not so it should be a good one before we head back in there uh if you haven't checked out our other podcast uh please do we've got another podcast called the screening room which we do every week It's live every Friday, or at the very least, Saturday morning, (laughs) uh, where we review all the new movies, just the new releases Mm -hmm. in theaters, regardless of genre. And the the new
0: in-home entertainment. And
1: on-home entertainment, too. So check those out. And if you like one or both of these podcasts, feel free to leave a review. Please do. We'd appreciate that. Always do. And we'll give you a shout-out. So, all right. With that, let's get back in there and uh, see us some time crimes. How many of you have seen
0: it? A couple. Okay. All right. Four. So a lot of people have it. I love when that happens.
1: It's so great that a lot of you haven't seen it because I think you're going to like it a lot. And we're not going
0: to tell you anything about it.
1: Except that it's, one, it's from a writer-director that we love and whose first name is Nacho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nacho Villalongo. Nacho Villalongo. did? He did Colossal just a couple of years ago with uh, Anne Hathaway, which is really good. Really enjoyed it. If you uh, like this one, you might want to look that one up. He's also in the movie. And uh, yeah, it's, it's time travel. Is this the one? We had a friend a few years ago, it might have been about this one, who saw a time travel movie and was just kind of poo-pooing it because he was like, that's not how time travel would looper. work. It was a looper. Like, it was a looper. Okay, like, I'm like,
0: please do tell. Please, how doctor. exactly does time travel Tell us how work?
1: time travel would work. But it just has a lot of fun with the whole concept. And yeah. The, and, and, you the,
0: know, of all of the topics, uh, time travel, I think, is the most sci-fi of the topics on the list. I mean, it's something that you don't see in horror very often. Right. Uh, Army of Darkness. Right, there's a little time travel there. Uh, Predestination That's kind of a t- time travel movie. But I thought it was fun th- that they were able to make it so creepy. But at the same time, it's just it's such a one of the things that I think time travel movies have going for them is how hard they are to follow. And at the end, if they make sense, you're like, of course.
1: <laughs> and, and this one is you, at the heart of it. You could say it's maybe a look about self-inflicted madness, kind of, <laughs> you know, how, how we drive ourselves crazy with things and you'll you'll see what what we mean as the movie goes on but at one point i don't think anymore but at one point there was talk of an american remake starring tom cruise so i don't think that's i hope that's kind of fizzled out kind of hope it has yeah fingers um, crossed you know but we'll see but we're going to watch that here in just a few minutes and i look forward to hearing your reactions that's time crimes number 3 uh we're, ooh, the clock's running so we got to get up to number 2 one of the classics from 1982 a research team in antarctica is hunted by a strange, shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. It's the Thing. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This Thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won.
0: You guys gonna listen to Gary? We
1: can beat one of those things! (laughs)
0: We've talked about this one a bunch of times. because it fits, Yeah, it yeah. fits so many different topics, and it's such a brilliant movie. But one of the things I've never pointed out before, one of the things I love about the way Carpenter sets this up is that you're with that crew. You're like, why in the hell are they shooting at this sweet dog? <laughs> and when he jumps up and licks him, you're like, well, he's a sweet dog. He's not like a mean dog, and look how pretty he is. And then the, the way that he slowly turns that on its head is one of the thousand absolutely genius things about this movie.
1: Yeah, this is another remake. This is John Carpenter's uh, version of the, the Thing from Another World, which was uh, 1951. And one of the things that that trailer reminded me of, of the one actor, Donald Moffat. He just yeah, died he just, just a few died. years ago. Yeah. No, just this year. Away. Just this year. Was it just, mm-hmm. no, just this, this year? That's right. I'm going to say just a few weeks ago. Yeah. But uh, it's a great cast. It's, a, it's different from... The story and the original movie—it's an all-male cast. Mm-hmm. You know, the only uh, you, you hear a female voice, which actually turns out to be uh, Adrienne Barbeau as the voice of the computer. Uh, of course, she was married to John Carpenter at the time, but it's so claustrophobic and cold <laughs> and creepy, and it just adds such a you know s- such an atmosphere of dread about it. It does, and uh, it's so well directed in that way. And it's interesting that it, at the time. It wasn't really a, a hit. No. It wasn't really a success. It's it's grown to the cult status that it enjoys today over the years. But at the time, it, people just kind of shrugged at it.
0: Yeah, I think they were bothered by a lot of things about it. I think they were bothered by, uh, especially if you think about when it came out, I think people were bothered by the ambiguous ending, which didn't really happen that often, especially in horror at that time, much thanks to the, the, uh, the massive success of Carpenter's previous film, uh, which laid a blueprint for the horror to come after it, and the fact that yeah. he went so wildly away from the source material – and, uh, and then just away from sort of predictable horror film endings, I think had a lot to do with it. But one of the things I think that makes this really stand out as a sci-fi film is the just pervasive paranoia, which I think is oh, yeah. one of the, like, the main um, elements in sci-fi, certainly sci-fi horror crossovers, is just this idea of paranoia and who can you trust. I'm not sure that there is a movie that captures that as well as this does.
1: No, but um, you pointed out of a few that kind of, over the, over the last few years have played on the same types of themes, even if you go back to uh, just last year, A Quiet Place. Yeah. You know, you have some of Well, the whole idea sort of, the of yeah, the
0: alien invasion, like, a, yeah. like a, an interesting take on the alien invasion, obviously A Quiet Place had that. One that I love is Attack the Block, um, which I'm not sure I would call it a horror film. People, there are people who do, but it's, uh, it's a thriller. It's a sci-fi film. John mm-hmm. Boyega, the first time we saw him in anything, yeah. he was so magnificent and um, even
1: uh, especially though if you're talking the thinking of the paranoia angle the mist oh yeah where it has that paranoia angle to it with with creatures but right. yeah there's so much now uh, to love about this and i think you mentioned the ambiguous ending who between kurt russell and keith david you know is a human at the end and i think it was really interesting that it was in 2002 there was um a game that came out uh, in 2002 called the thing and john carpenter endorsed that game as canon and in the game, they're both human at the end. Which what? I thought, I thought that he would step out. It was interesting that he would step out and endorse a game like that as canon, but he did. Now, whether he still does today, I don't know. But uh, it's still such a great, ambiguous ending. You can look for all sorts of clues as to who is and who isn't. But uh, And then, you know what? The sequel-slash-prequel that came out, uh, I thought was pretty solid. Yeah, you know? I mean, it
0: doesn't compare to this. No, but, it, but it It pays a good homage to it. It's got a great cast, and it's enjoyable.
1: It is enjoyable, especially when... The end comes, Mm -hmm. and you realize what they're actually doing. So uh, that is number two on our list from 1982, The Thing, in our sci-fi horror countdown. Moving up to number one, another classic from 1979. Really needs no introduction. It's Alien.
0: Seems we have intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. Human. Unknown. What the hell is that?
1: How do we kill it? You're Ah. coming. It's moving right towards
0: you. Move! Get out of there. It's hard to beat that movie, you know. (laughs) And and, and as as sequels go, Aliens is is about the as great a sequel as you're going to have. But the reason that it's not. Alien is a horror movie mm-hmm. you know you 're trapped you can 't it 's basically and i 'm not the first person to say it' it 's a, a haunted house movie in space right you can 't get away from this thing except that instead of being a ghost it 's an alien that spits acid oh my god, <laughs> and you know it 's got that face hugger hand vagina, oh yeah. my god, I love this movie yeah you know, that
1: 's interesting because writer uh, dan o 'bannon has has said that early on in the development of the script uh, he ran into uh, Kind of a writer's block with, uh, with another uh, co-writer he was working with, and they they couldn't figure out. Okay, how do we get the monster, the alien, onto the ship? And one of them said to the other, just as a, well, it fucks one of them, and that w- <laughs> went to the idea of the face hugger. But then the more they got into it, they wanted to make sure because of the, you know, the the implications. They wanted to make sure that that first victim was a man, sure, because and. You know, it makes total sense. And you hear time and again how just off-the-cuff comments through creative uh, collaborators yeah. can result in genius ideas. Yeah, it's absolutely and that genius. Man.
0: Oh, my God. It's absolutely genius. And, the, you know, and it carries over everything about the alien, everything about the egg, you know, um, and then everything about the spaceship. It's so like a tin can. You don't feel safe on it even if there's no alien there. And the whole cast is great. Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, what a sad sack. <laughs> you know, you're like, what are you doing out there by yourself? Clearly yeah. you're the next guy Clearly.
1: to go. Oh, and John Hurt, <laughs>
0: shut up. Nancy Cartwright, yeah. there's a screecher. She can screech. She it's, can. Uh, Everything about this movie is just so perfectly put together, uh, which eventually we would recognize as being, because the director was a genius, but at the time, uh, I think this really came out of left field.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I think a lot of the, the look of it and, and so much of the technical aspects... Geiger. Came, well, Geiger, and came because Dan O'Bannon... Had been hired to work on the ill-fated Yodorovsky uh, production of Dune, mm-hmm. and when that folded, he took Obannon took a lot of that creative team with him, including Geiger, who whose designs led to the uh, to the monster. So it's it's weird how that the the collapsing of one movie, especially one that's become shrouded in legend now, right. like Jodorovsky's right. Dune, kind of led indirectly or in some cases directly. To uh, the classic that is Alien because you're was, right it's a it's a straight up horror movie that's rooted in sci-fi
0: right well and of course uh, of course Dan O'Bannon wrote um, Return of the Living Dead so mm-hmm. he's he was a horror guy he's a horror guy anyway and it's funny to me to think that a movie that is so very 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 serious as this one is uh, came from the same mind as the uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead but still well and you'll good love, for you Dan O'Bannon and
1: you'll love this because of course it was directed by Ridley Scott yes uh, brilliantly and uh, O'Bannon pointed out to Ridley Scott and producer Walter Hill who neither one admitted they were really that up on horror movies, that they should watch uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre to uh, get the feeling of the intensity of the scenes that uh, he was looking for. When he Everybody it, so. should watch The <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's a, that's a great way to uh, to lead into what we're going to see tonight. So Alien from 1979 tops on our list of sci-fi horror movies. So we've got one to watch here Time Crimes in just a few uh, minutes. Um, this podcast will be... Edited, uh, although not much post. Not much to fix in post tonight. Just uh, <laughs> because
0: they didn't have any Miller Lite, so I'm drinking pop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could be. Uh, this will be fixed up and probably be uh, out on the usual podcast platforms on Monday. It'll be mm-hmm. Fright Club, of course, you can find it on our website as well, which is madwolf.com. Uh, what else? What are well, we we'll looking forward to? We talked about Horror 101, which is coming up. Yep. The next Fright Club Live is going to be back here uh the night before, the night before the Wednesday, uh, opening the 13th of February, and February we will be 13th. watching The Love Witch. The Love we're going to watch The Love
0: Witch, and we're going to do a podcast, Looking for Love, which is the song we won't be able to play when we start it, <laughs> by the way. All right, so looking um, the forward to that. Podcast, the next podcast, the one in between that isn't live, is going to be, we always do this, Skeletons in the closet. So the Oscar nominees will come out, and then we will do a podcast of the skeletons in their closets, the bad horror movies that the Oscar nominees have made. Because they always have Oh, them. my God, Yes. So um, everybody, root for Ben Foster, so I can talk about Pandorum. Because God, does it suck! Um, <laughs> that and wasn't then bad. Uh, we're going to be our co-host is going to be uh, Corey Metcalf, who is also the, the host of Golden Spiral Media's Rewatch podcast. So if you All don't right. listen to that, give him a listen.
1: Good stuff. So uh, until then, get in touch if you can. Easily easy to find us at Fright Club Pod on Twitter. Or at uh, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. So we're gonna watch Time Crimes here in just a few. Uh, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and this is the Fright Club Podcast.